Hey everyone, uh, we're back uh, with uh, quite an extraordinary guest, um, Mr. Ferguson. Welcome, Robbie. It's great to have you here. Uh, one of the co-founders with his brother of Immutable X. Um, yeah, I don't think if, if it's gaming related and you haven't heard about Immutable, then you've clearly been missing out on a lot. Where have you been hiding? Immutable is basically a platform that facilitates and affords developers and gamers to participate in in gaming and, and building games. Robbie, welcome. Uh, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much. It's, it's good to be here. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, your journey and just quickly, like what you guys have been doing, how it all started and yeah, what, what brings course. you to this point? Yeah, I've been building technology startups for the last decades. Uh, I originally started actually by building a League of Legends betting platform. Uh, and all of these I built with my brother. We're both software engineers from back in the day. And I think from pretty early on, we were familiar with this concept that assets inside of games should have value, but players were constantly ripped off. I remember a story where my brother and I used to share a RuneScape account. Uh, I don't know if any viewers or, or you used to play RuneScape, uh, but uh, as you know, you can go into the wilderness and verse other players. And if you attack them first, you get a skull, which means you lose all your items rather than keeping the most valuable. And my brother at this time had a uh, full dragon, which is the best armor or close to the best armor you can get in the game. And I went on his account, went into the wilderness and uh, scowled and lost all of it. And I felt so bad that the next day I spent all of my pocket money buying gold off a uh, essentially a gold farm in order to buy this armor back. And then a week later, Jagex banned the account for real world trading. And six months later, Jagex rolled out real world trading, but as long as it was through their efficient official platform where you buy bonds that could be exchanged for gold inside the game. And so I think it's pretty clear that the demand for real world uh, assets is there. The demand for value that gamers can actually convert out. They're spending hundreds of hours or, or hundreds of dollars on is there, but that ultimately it's run in a system that can't truly offer this level of security or scale. You have the same thing again with Counter-Strike where you have essentially 33 billion US dollars of these skins traded over the last three years on a web two completely locked down database based marketplace. Where in 2018, just after we started the company, Valve actually trade locked Counter-Strike Go skins so you could only trade them once per week. And overnight, a $300 million company called Opskins went belly up because they could no longer facilitate a lot of third-party trades. And so you have these companies with impunity destroying the ability for third-party marketplaces or economies to ever exist. And we see this enormous opportunity because $130 billion is spent on in-game items. When we started, it was closer to $80 billion. It's pretty clear that this is the dominant form of monetization and it's not slowing down. And that's on a you know, a, a model where you can't even sell these in the vast majority of cases later. In the cases you can, it's a very thin imitation of what Web3 can accomplish because it's on a database-based marketplace. And so it's a long way of explaining our motivation where I've been building in crypto since 2015. I've been buying Bitcoin since 2014. Uh, but really what fundamentally got our interest was the idea of building long-term scalable businesses that weren't correlated to cryptocurrency prices for about leveraging the, the technology. And it was pretty clear when NFTs came out in mid-2017 that CryptoPunks would be uh, the first ever instance of what we called an NFT and that these NFTs would actually be the most 
powerful technology we've invented in, in Web3 beyond payments today. Because they took the exact value proposition that Bitcoin had, and they allowed you to apply that to any form of unique value, including, say, digital goods or items or skins. And we formed this thesis pretty early uh, that the first market that this will emerge is video game economies because there's no speculation necessary around the demand existing. There is an existing real world demand analog. And really that's what we've been spending the last five and a half years now building towards. We started by building the first ever multiplayer uh, game that was completely on chain. So we, we experienced kind of the, the difficulties firsthand of developing smart contracts and on-chain randomness and solving gas costs. We invented things like batched NFT minting, uh, which is you know used by pretty much every major NFT contract in the world today. And uh, now Immutable is over you know nearly 300 full-time, uh, a lot more if you can consider contractors on the games, focused on purely taking Web3 gaming mainstream and making the one-stop shop platform for Web3 gaming developers who want to build economies with real value for players. Um, so that, that's our mission. Uh, I think we're now at the point where these games have been incredibly well-funded and they're going live over the next year. Uh, and we're just excited to see what, what some of these games can do. I want to circle back to a lot of the stuff that you, that you brought up, but I just want to provide context in terms of the game. So which are your would you say your top games at the moment, which are in that, that focus? Oh, look, we have many on the platform, right? So we have over 200 well-funded games now building on Immutable. We really focus on games that we think have a shot to be a hit. So they have to have millions of dollars in funding. They have to have a reasonable game design, etc. We essentially have an internal VC team that tells us, you know, where we should be focusing our go-to-market efforts. Um, but there would be, I would say, you know, 20 or 30 games over the next four to six months I'm really, really excited about. Uh, to give you some examples, you know, across the ages, they've been doing multiple seven figures in revenue over the last couple of months, even in this market. Uh, they have hundreds of thousands of monthly active players. They've hit number one strategy game in France uh, and Australia. Uh, they're a trading card game. You have Alluvium, who's entering open beta uh, at the very start of next year. I think that auto battler game is exceptional and clearly these guys know at its core, yeah. how to make a truly decentralized yeah. economy. Agreed. Uh, I mean, there, there's uh, there's a, a ton of games. We have Gods Unchained going on mobile. We have Guild of Guardians. Uh, we have Infinite Victory, Shardbound. Uh, we have uh, Bitfry. There's a lot of games focused on many different genres. I'm pretty excited about the, the MOBAs building on Immutable today. TCG is definitely our most popular genre, but we're now seeing a lot more RPGs and casual RPGs where the focus is on accessibility and economy design. Um, it's hard to pick favorites, but ultimately there's going to be a high failure rate in this industry. There already is in gaming more generally, but the games that succeed will be massive hits. And literally the, the biggest game that comes up next year is going to do more NFT volume than pretty much every historic collection combined because that's the numbers of hits when you look at games. You look at tens or hundreds of millions of monthly active players, each spending in the tens or hundreds of dollars of, of secondary volume, uh, and you instantly have something that is uh, going to have more utility and more active users than any other application in Web3. So just to clarify for those who are listening and, and those who are watching, you know, we always talk about, you know, it's all about the tech and it's, you know, that's like crypto's thing, you know, and we kind of like, meme it out and we make fun of it in many ways but in this case it really is about the tech and it is about bringing that ownership to individuals because you obviously identified the biggest problem by the way i used to be one of those traders that you 
bought stuff from way back then. I was one of the first to do it in Ultima Online, but that was allowed. Back then, real, real world trading was allowed. Obviously, a lot of games disallowed it, but that obviously afforded you guys the opportunity to essentially present your value proposition. That is, you as a player now own what it is that you are actually spending hundreds, if not thousands of hours, and you can actually take that to market. I want to talk about the infrastructure that you guys are providing within Immutable because that's obviously like the big wheels and the big cogs of what it is that you guys have built is this infrastructure, which allows for all of this to happen because without it, we know that scalability is a challenge. Um, obviously, the throughput for, for transactions and all that kind of stuff is critical to hundreds of millions of players participating. Could you just give us kind of like broad strokes about how you guys went about you know, the layer one versus the layer two and bringing it all together and obviously allowing the scalability and the potential for this thing to take on, dare I say, billions of players. Yeah, so look, our vision from day one has been if a game wants to create an economy where players can truly earn their assets, they should be able to build that incredibly easy without having to know what a smart contract is. They should be able to onboard customers incredibly easy without those customers having to know what a private key or what a re-entrancy bug or what... Uh, you know, a, a MetaMask wallet is. And at the same time, we want to make sure that the protocol is inherently self-custodial, is inherently secure, and is truly decentralized. Otherwise, there's no point to building any of this. It's a very hard uh, sort of sort of balancing scale to, to manage because a lot of the infrastructure that is inherently decentralized is also terrible to use. So maybe I'll, I'll start with our first approach, which is security is number one. If you don't have security, then you have nothing else. And from day one, we've never once compromised on this. There was a reason that we chose to be essentially the first ever mainstream implementer of CK rollups at this platform uh, and application layer. And that's because they were, to us, the first scaling infrastructure that didn't compromise. We looked at pretty much every prototype uh, and, and built many of these since we started in the space. We looked at state channels, we looked at plasma, we looked at side chains, we were unhappy with the bridge risks associated with many of those. Many of them didn't work out, for example, plasma, and, and that eventually turned into some form of you know optimism, which you see today. But for us, ZK rollups are the long-term scaling roadmap of Ethereum. I think that's been cemented now by Vitalik. It's pretty clear that the instant finality, the direct inheritance of Ethereum security, and the cost are superior. The only thing missing was EVM compatibility. But now with the launch of Immutable ZK EVM mainnet uh, that we're obviously partnered with Polygon on for this open source uh, ZK EVM scaling technology, we have that as well. So the final sort of drawback of, of using ZK over any alternative has been removed. And then of course you have the Immutable platform, which is coming in to build a lot of value on top of that. The first thing I'll talk about is liquidity fragmentation. Our thesis is long-term, one of the things holding back NFTs today is liquidity fragmentation. Liquidity gets fragmented, the ability to buy or sell assets at pretty much every layer in the stack. At the marketplace layer, you can't buy or sell unless you're trading on the same marketplace. At the wallet layer, in order to have easy to use wallets, you often have uh, custodial implementations that essentially give elevated privileges to one game. That means you can't use the same wallet between games. And so your funds, your deposits are siloed to just being used in that game. Uh, and of course, at the third layer, we have cross roll-up liquidity. So how can you have hundreds of hundreds of blockchains, each serving different gaming use cases or large games, 
but the ability to trade seamlessly and atomically with shared security across all of them. Now, Immutable's platform solves all of these. For marketplace liquidity, we have this product called our Global Order Book, where you can list an asset for sale, say, in-game, where you can be earning an alluvial and you immediately list it for sale without even having to know what a, you know, a wallet or an NFT marketplace is. And now that exact listing can be bought from anyone on any NFT marketplace. GameStop, Rarible, uh, Magic Eden, OpenSea, anyone integrated with uh, Immutable's APIs. And of course, the coolest thing is the game creators get permanent enforceable multi-party royalties, which view, we view as a must-have if you're building in this space. You must be able to monetize this over time. And second of all, the marketplaces can all take their share. So we view this as incredibly powerful. Today, more than half of all trades are facilitated, listed one venue, bought in another, which means we're more than doubling liquidity and volume here. So this is really dear to me. I think it's really important public infrastructure in this space, uh, and we're very dedicated to, to making this exceptional. The second I'll talk about is cross-roll-up infrastructure. And I think our vertical integration here, operating at the ZK layer of the stack, the uh, wallet or consumer layer of the stack, but also the SDK and global order book layer of the stack, means we can have a uniquely good solution. Because unlike, say, you know, other scaling solutions where let's say you're here on League of Legends uh, app chain and you want to buy something over on, uh, I don't know, a, a Fortnite app chain. Normally what has to happen is funds have to be bridged and the asset has to be bought. This takes time. With things like uh, optimistic rollups, the, the finality is, is not instant. With CK rollups, it's fast as you want to publish the, the proof. But either way, you have some likelihood of being front run. Someone can just buy this asset as soon as they see this in the MEV. Because of our order book, we can actually lock down listings on this asset until your funds are bridged over. Because of our wallet, we can create a single integrated experience. So our goal is you can trade any asset on any marketplace or in-game native context with any wallet on any immutable supported rollup, and it all feels completely invisible and you don't even have to know you're using Web3 under the hood. And all of this is trustless, seamless, and with shared security. And when we achieve that vision, which we've already achieved in, in some components and, and obviously cross rollup liquidity and uh, is kind of the final piece that has to, to come to life, we are going to be massively unifying liquidity, massively increasing volume and, and revenue potential for games and improving the, the revenue potential for these players as well. So something that, that is really passionate to me, it's very deep in the immutable stack. Uh, it's not the thing you'll see on our websites or, or, or the number one thing people know about us, but I think we really have a, a very deeply thought through approach here. And of course, then there's the rest of the stuff we have. Easy onboarding and offboarding, fiat on ramps with this product we called Checkout. We have uh, the ability to build simply using Stripe-like APIs. I think the number one misapproach that competitors have done in the space is every single blockchain is investing in some form of proprietary language, etc. It's pretty clear that the network effects of Solidity has won out, but even then, it's still incredibly hard to breach the mainstream. If you want to actually capture the 99% of mainstream devs, you must abstract this work away of integrating so that they never have to touch a smart contract at all. And instead they can use things as simple as Stripe-like APIs, which is what we build. And that's why some of the biggest games building on us today, like Aglet, actually built on us without initially ever having to talk to us because of how easy this self-serve funnel is. Uh, we also really focus on Passport, which is our consumer wallet product. We're currently, uh, this converts incredibly efficiently for gamers. So I think 500% better than sort of your other conventional uh, self-custodial wallet. Under the hood, it's completely self-custodial, but we're reducing acquisition costs for games who use the wallet. Because currently the biggest pain point for, for games companies in, in the space 
as soon as you try and acquire customers and you try and get them to install a wallet, 90% of your users fall away. Um, so this is our approach to effectively making that completely invisible. You can sign up with email, iOS, etc. cetera. Uh, and the coolest thing, it has shared funds across any game you use because we use a multi-sig system. When in order for a signature to go through for a game, Immutable Guardian, which is our heuristic tool that the, the user can set permissions on, also must co-sign all of these transactions. And the result is you can use the same wallet product on any single game. So the funds you deposit to buy assets in Alluvium can also be used to buy assets in Cross the Ages or Gods Unchained or Shardbound or Guild of Guardians or Infinite Victory. Uh, and all of that combines to, to essentially be, you know, if you come to us, you want to build a successful game, we should have all the parts for you. Whether you build themselves or they're part of our ecosystem and, and partners that we represent, we really want to make this dead simple and allow you to focus on just building a high quality game. I know that's a long response, but there's a lot to our product. And, and so I kind of wanted to cover the whole stack. No, it's it's a it's an awesome response, and I think like for for a lot of us who kind of like have been in the space for a long time, there have been conversations around how gaming is potentially the gateway to mass adoption for crypto and blockchain technology, and and it's very obvious that your passion is there, but more importantly, the vision is, in my opinion, very sound. And you you and I'm sure there will be you know there will be like like challenges and the rest of it but i i think the picture is sound and you guys have got a really good understanding as to like what is it going to take do we want to be like just you know and uh kind of like a gateway like steam is for games to come in or do we want to be a steam on steroids that can allow developers to actually realize their product without actually even having to interact with contracts which is obviously clearly the, the the biggest challenge within blockchain i wanted to just rewind back to to kind of like the last bull market and look at you know the the the, the games that made inroads around this whole play to earn thing and it's not about that for you guys and i understand that but i wanted to just like almost interrogate what those games got right you know as opposed to wrong because we know that kind of like ponzonomics is not what we're looking at here we're looking at like what was it that people really yeah. enjoyed about those games and how are you guys almost like, you know, exemplifying that and making it better? Look, to be honest, I think the games that have been popular in the past are a tiny shadow of what's being built today. The entire yeah. expectation of quality has been lifted. You know, our professional Web2 game developers with tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in funding building, you know, high quality games that would be used without even Web3. So I think... The whole quality bar has shifted. On the economic side, I think a lot of thoughts have matured uh, where really paying people to play your game is not a sustainable economy because at some point your game has to be inherently fun. I think really the model that a, a lot of people are leaning towards today is this web 2.5, you could call, where the majority of on-chain activity is trading, fusing, probabilities, merging, anything correlated with intrinsic asset value, but all the logic is off-chain. And I think that's, the direct analogy of what marketplaces we've seen be successful in Web2. Things like Counter-Strike, now CS2, where you have roughly you know, 12, 13 billion US dollars of skins traded every year that are primarily just uh, the, the assets themselves with you know, no, no other complexity added. There's obviously, I, I would say, roughly 5% of games building fully on-chain logic today. I think they're really interesting. Um, I don't know whether they'll be next cycle's uh, driver, but I think the cycle after, the, the tech might be there, and, and there's certainly some some interesting bigger projects. Um, so that would be what I would say we're, we're seeing most commonly at the moment. 
In terms, I mean, you are throwing around like the big names. You threw Fortnite around Counter Strike. Is there is there a willingness from these game companies to impart that ownership to users, or do you think they're going to be setting their ways and get essentially left behind into the future? So we recently did a. I won't name. I'm not going to go into specifics, but we recently did a market map of every. Legendary Man, TS studio in the world. I wanted some alpha, and you aren't going to give it to me. Okay, you'll have to fine. wait. You'll have to wait for the alpha. Um, although I did say on on stage, and so I can say it here again, that we do have one of our biggest games, probably the the biggest game ever, to be announced on Immutable, uh, to to be announced uh, shortly. Um, cool. But what, what I will say on uh, the legendary companies, which I would say is the big named companies in the world, you know, the, the Activision Blizzards, the uh, Nexons, the, uh, you know, the, the Ubisoft, the, the giant companies who are building games every day. We've mapped now, I think, pretty much all of them over the last cycle. I think we spoke to more than 95% of them to get their view on Web3 Gaming. And over half of them were actively building or doing or integrating projects. Now, the really interesting stat was only one out of more than 60 of these was a hard no, was a, hey, we, we never see ourselves doing this. And so I think the appetite is absolutely there. That being said, I think the frontier games, the ones of the Vanguard will be in Asia because they're used to building at the very forefront of technology rather than really hedging their bets from a strategic perspective, which is, I think we'll see in the West a little bit more where they're, you know, Activision Blizzard has no incentive overnight to change their gaming model. They are the, you know, the winners of the, the current model. They want to make sure that if this is truly disruptive, they've got some irons in the fire. They understand how it works. They're willing to pay up and acquire the, the winning companies uh, when this becomes ubiquitous. But right now, they don't feel a sense of urgency. There definitely is more of a sense of urgency in Asia. And of course, in all the runners-up, in the mid-tier studios who have $50 million, $100 million in funding, who see themselves as ways to get breakout hits, and steal market share is by leveraging this technology. Gotcha. I think, you know, I think the, obviously the biggest challenge is that cross-pollination, you know, like how do you cross-pollinate? Obviously you guys have chosen your partnerships because of that. You've carefully thought about it, but just coming back to the, the very essence of what drives this is obviously kind of like NFTs and the value that NFTs have. And I know that it sounds really strange that we talking about games and then we're talking about NFTs, can you just give us a quick rundown as to how like Immutable brings the two together? You know, like ownership of NFTs, you know, whether it's individual items, do you guys view accounts as an NFT? How does that dynamic work between the game and the, the NFT technology? Look, I would say any any asset that has, has should have some level of value associated with it, let's say upwards of like a cent, I, I think could be tokenized as an NFT. I you know, I, unless you want to trade accounts, I don't really know why why you would. I mean, you you could have some models around being able to trade experiences NFTs, but I think the majority of stuff is going to be some form of item uh, where where you're trading these assets. Lots of more ephemeral things such as experience points, etc., might be ERC one one five fives or ERC twenties. Um, so typically, that's that's the structure that we see most people deploying today. Things like skins where you'd spend ten bucks to buy them. Okay, great. So I wanted to ask probably like almost like a, a check-in question. And that is that, you know, in terms of how you guys went about starting Immutable, obviously you had this idea around ownership. That's fine and well. Where do you see Immutable, like in five to 10 years time, 
you know, obviously considering that discussion that you might have with Blizzard Wonder of them wanting to acquire you, but that's a separate conversation. What do you guys see for Immutable as like the vision? Like ultimately, where would you guys like to get to? I see long-term NFTs tokenizing every form of unique value in the world. If you look at the value of ERC and the exchanges built around them, I mean, you have roughly a, a trillion dollars of value of exchanges value between the you know, the low tens of billions to, to hire in, in bull runs or, or in more international markets. Um, obviously, Coinbase around that 20 billion mark today. And the value they're providing is significant, like creating easy on-ramps and off-ramps to this idea of digital money. But there is 100 times more unique value in the world than there is non-unique value. So the amount of stuff that they can tokenize is 1% of what we can tokenize and give people user custody over if we can do it with NFTs. And that's why I hate the idea of NFTs being branded as collectibles or art. It is less than 1% of 1% of what the potential of this technology is. It's a highly speculative use case that I think is fine. And I think there's cool things emerging out of it. But for me, the exciting thing is fundamental utility and giving people better access to economic empowerment, liquidity, and financial utility. With games, it's clearly the most obvious vertical. There's $130 billion spent by gamers every year on in-game digital goods that they have no rights to sell or trade later on. If they have some limited rights, it's completely at the whim and behest of a developer who can change the rules on them or any third-party marketplace or ecosystem tool with a single line of code or the terms of service. It is not how you build huge financial institutions, open financial inclusion or ecosystems. If you even look at a very basic model there, and you take that 130 billion, you convert it into tradable assets, you're probably gonna have DeFi, index funds, derivatives, options, trading desks built on it. That's an order of magnitude or higher. That's already 1.3 trillion. That's not a made up number. Typically, the amount of the value of derivatives and, and sort of secondary financial uh, products built on top of the secondary market volume is an order of magnitude higher if you look at financial analogs. Now you add on the ability to tokenize things like home or real title or real world assets uh, or registry goods. And you have you know, trillions and trillions of, of dollars of assets. In wine alone, you have $5 billion traded every year. I think there's something like $50 billion of sports cards and memorabilia traded every year. You have uh, over roughly a trillion dollars of term deposits, where essentially the only way you can buy a better interest rate by locking up your money is from a primary issuer. And if you want to sell it three months into your six month term, good luck because there's no secondary market. And the only way you can do it is, is working with that primary issuer. Tokenizing term deposits would overnight create an efficient global interest rate market, massively improving financial outcomes for hundreds of thousands of businesses around the globe. The only way you can do it trustlessly across borders with maximum liquidity, uh, with things like enforceable royalties, is via the technology of NFTs. And so that's my long-term vision, is I see an opportunity for us to create democratized, decentralized financial access to own everything. Clearly the first use case, the hardest use case is gaming. And if we get this right, we set the infrastructure with the right setup for all of these other verticals. But if we get it wrong, then the default will revert to, you know, controlled by, uh, by something that we really wouldn't want. Uh, so I think there's a huge uh, sort of fulcrum point over the next three or four years as to what are these hits built on? Is the infrastructure truly open? Is it truly decentralized? Is it truly scalable? Or are we going to end up with a thin imitation or thin extension of what we have built today in Web2? So 
I think one of the big lessons here is, you know, this, this kind of stuff takes a long time to build. You guys started this journey even before 2018, you did your raise. But the lesson is that the really good stuff out there takes time. And the most important aspect to what it is that you guys are doing for me is that, you know, imagine an Amazon for digital assets. And I think on that note, um, thank you, sir, for your time and your enthusiasm and also your, your vision on this. I think from my perspective as a long-term gamer, I think this is a no-brainer. I think you guys are definitely on the right track and I'm one of your biggest supporters. I want to see this succeed. It will be awesome to Look, see. A lot more to do, but I think uh, I think it's been a good year for us. I mean, you know, we, we basically had yeah. our market share double post the Polygon partnership simplified a lot of choice for developers uh i, I think now the the goal is uh help them launch and, and see basically you know 90 percent of the games in the space launch over the next year cool amazing and yeah we we love what you guys are doing and hopefully we can get you back on and yeah all the best and thanks so much for your time i know it's precious of course we we appreciate it thank you so much thanks so much for having me